I'm Will Buxton and welcome to another special episode of Straight Talk. Now, I've known both Mahindra racing drivers for some time, but Jerome and I, as we've actually just been discussing, go way, way back to the GP2 days. Tilbag did a good job of grilling the media in Monaco, but as a journalist myself, uh, it's my job to get the details that nobody else knows, or at least try. Uh, most drivers talk to you about their on-track action, but actually, it's the stuff off the track that I think defines a driver. Uh, and I've been invited by the team to come and host this episode to see what we could get. Good morning, chaps. Morning. Good morning. How are we? Very good. How are you? Good. That's a very colorful, colorful. shirt, if I can say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, you don't see do you remember those old was it, Renault Twingos back in the day that had like the, the door was one color and the <laughs> bonnet was another color? And it's a little yeah. bit like that in t shirt form. Thank very you. Cool. Thank very you. cool. Pascal's got a great sense of uh, fashion and humor. <laughs> Both mixing together with that T-shirt. Um, so, chaps, I want to talk to you today. I've been invited in by the team to talk to you about stuff away from the track, not racing necessarily. I've just written a book in which I've just given you, in which I've spoken to 20 great drivers from Formula One, Rally, IndyCar, Le Mans, NASCAR about their greatest defeat. And some of them were about racing. Some of them were about their personal lives, but it was all about moments when they struggled and when they, they had a really hard time and how they got through it. And I think people around the world look at you guys as racing drivers and they see these great heroes that do this amazing thing that we all, as normal people, wish that we could do. But what they don't sometimes realize or see, and I think it's the, tr the same with most sportsmen, is that when you take your football shirt off, when you take off your overalls, You're just normal guys. You know, you're normal people and you have the same, okay, Jerome, you're buff, whatever. Um, but, you know, you have those same struggles and difficulties that, that anyone else does in life. So I wanted to talk to you about your careers, your lives and moments that you've found hard and how you got through it. Because I think in talking about it, it helps fans of you and the championship to, to see that even their heroes You know, it's not all been rosy. It's not all been, it's all been great. A very happy topic for a, for a morning here in, uh, in Boundary. <laughs> light one. Yeah, a light one. A light, light topic one. for breakfast. Tell us, a, say the story about your life, Jerome. Well, last, uh, last November, uh, Dilbach signed this guy. I called Pascal Verlaine. It was a tough, uh, <laughs> tough moment for me. Was that the worst moment of your life? <laughs> no, no. You know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously quite a, can be quite a deep reflection, but, uh, I've had tough times, you know, through my career for sure. Go-karting when you're young, you even though it's only a go-kart race, you sometimes live uh, those defeats or those success in the same intensity as you do now. Uh, I think that my, one of my biggest transition period also for sure was, was, you know, moving on from formula one, hmm. um, That was probably the biggest, uh, the biggest shift in my, in my life. But I don't refer to these, you know, moments necessarily as, you know, it's more, I felt it. It's more of me as a human, as a person. Oh, I was challenged and oh, I struggled perhaps personally to keep on, on being, um, good. What I mean by good means, you know, just, you know, wake up, you know, waking up, having the same motivation, having the same, uh, will to work, having the same, uh, a determination and you know it's it's in the ends all these events you have different and sometimes it's also in private life you have all these events that alter your 
could I call it spirit? I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your yourself. Yeah. And trick is really, I think, being able to identify that, and it 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 happens at different levels throughout lives, and you just have to make sure that you know that's the time that you you're able to step back up and 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 keep on going. And in the end, I always want to make sure that I always look at myself in the mirror in the morning and saying I've tried everything, you know, and I've tried everything. And in the end, if something doesn't happen, then maybe it was just not meant to be. And that often the end of something is the beginning of the next greatest thing, um, best thing. And, and that's kind of my philosophy. You know, I'm not a fatalist because mm-hmm. I, I push really until the limits until, uh, until there's nothing else to do and somebody else will push me out the door, but, um, or, or until, yeah, it's, it's, it's the end. But at that point I'll just, you know, and this is sometimes it takes a short period of time and with, with the years and the maturity, you learn to say, okay, it's tough now, just, you know, suck it up and, and move on to the next thing and, uh, and, and, and just put the same, the same passion and the same spirit into that. Now I'm all speaking obviously about sporting and work related and, and objectives that I set to myself with ups and downs. So, I mean, these moments, you know, they're tough, but luckily I've never had to live with, uh, or, you know, fight through something which is much harder, which often, you know, relates to, to either family or, yeah. or health or something like that. And this is something that I, I'm lucky I've so far, you know, never, never touched wood, never had to deal with. And I think this is a completely different story. So we speak about our defeats, like they're great, you know, moments of of tough moments, challenges. But I think then in the end, you have to keep a bigger perspective on life and realize that in the end, they're just goals you set to yourself, you achieve them. Sometimes you don't and you just have to move forward and and make sure that uh, you don't let them just bring you to a full stop. Lovely. That's really nice. Really nice. Pascal, we can stop now. No, it's it's it's. (laughs) I know it's it's. I know it's really hard to sort of you know to open yourself up to talk about uh, the difficult moments. But you and and Jerome have I think that one thing in common. You have many things in common, but but in particular, that dream, that desire, that drive to get to Formula One to achieve it, to then have to face that that dream may be over and to find something potentially even better afterwards but in that moment of your life's dream coming to an end how hard is that to to deal with yeah it was definitely a hard time yeah when i couldn't resign a new deal in f1 but i would say the toughest time in my career so far was my injury so yeah you, you know course, not I, like, yeah of yeah. course i remember yeah because like, we, we had not no a long idea, time ago yes had no idea how bad it was and it yeah. wasn't let out that was for people who don't know it was the race of champions and you yeah. went over in the car and it went upside down and you you very badly injured your was it your back or your neck yeah uh, the back uh, so i broke four vertebras in the back and yeah it was a tough 10 weeks for me that was, and it was all done very much in the quiet. Nobody really knew what was going on. When did you know how, how bad it it was going to be? Straight away. So we went into the hospital um, after the crash and, uh, you know, they already told me, yeah, you broke four vertebras and uh, it will take a bit of time. So at that time it was uh, not sure yet if I need the surgery or not. So we decided to not do it. And, uh, you know, I was like six weeks in, in bed and not moving at all. Well, you couldn't move. You had this massive yeah. metal. It looked like unit. Uh, Star Wars. It was unbelievable, and <laughs> because we, these photographs came out once the season had had actually started, but yeah. it kept saying, you know, you were going to be at testing, and then you weren't, and you were going to be at the first race, and then yeah. you weren't. And yeah, we wanted to keep it quiet. Uh, first of all, because of insurance issues, so mm. 
you know, I wanted to come back as early as possible, but uh, obviously there's still some risk, you know, this with uh, these injuries. So, yeah, we wanted to keep it quiet. Did you think that it, it might have been a career ender at that point? No, I never had any doubts. It was just, you know, driving with pain, training with pain, uh, missing two races. So that was quite hard for me because I was in Melbourne. Mm. Um, but on that Friday, then I realized that I have too much pain. I cannot drive and it was impossible. But Melbourne is also a crazy bumpy track. So it was not the best track to, to start with. So yes, on Friday evening, I had to say it's not possible. And that was a, a big shock, definitely. What is it do you guys think about is it something about the mindset of racing drivers that allows you to look at a challenge like this, look at look at difficulties that you've both had and move beyond them quite quickly? Uh, I guess if you put yourselves in the in the seat of the car. Okay, I'm just seeing a picture of Pascal. I hadn't seen uh, it. you hadn't seen it. See, I mean, this is the thing that, you know, I think as I was just mentioning earlier on, you know, when you have to deal with realizing that you can be also physically fragile and, and you know, health problems and something like that. Yeah. I think this is obviously much, much tougher than, uh, than anything else. And probably you use that same mentality and same strength to pull you through it, but to go and dig in, you know, at that point, I think it's much, uh, much more difficult than anything else. But it requires huge mental strength regardless of of you know if it's if it's a a physical thing or or, or mental to 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 come through a, a difficult period do you when you're in a car if you if you screw up a corner you know you can't focus on that you have to be constantly looking to the next one is that how you have to look at life I think you shouldn't be scared of exposing yourself. If you don't expose yourself to a certain extent, then you can't achieve anything. You know, whether it's in business, whether it's in, uh, in, in motorsport or whatever it is, you have at one point to put yourself on the line. And some people are okay with that. And some people, I guess, are less okay with that. If you put yourself on the line and, and you expose yourself, you will make mistakes. And it's just part of it. As long as you take it, you know, as okay, it's a mistake. I learned from it and I keep on learning from my mistakes and I keep embracing the mistakes as much as I embrace the victories because in the end, it's the important is that you keep on growing and you do it because you, you love it. So I think, yeah, in the end, you have a passion, you have a determination to reach a certain goal. And with that, you're just, you're not scared to make those mistakes and you just pull through and whatever it is, you just push and, and it's interesting. It's, it's very similar, almost identical to what Mika Hakkinen and Carlos Sainz Sr. said. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, if you don't make mistakes, and as Mika was saying, I tell my kids all the time, go out, make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you don't learn. Yeah. And the same with Carlos Sainz Sr. He said, you know, whether you win or you lose, don't spend too long either crying or celebrating. Move on to the next yeah. thing. Always learn. Always look at if you win, what you can still have done something better. And if you lose, well, what could I do to make sure that that doesn't happen the next time. Yeah, definitely. Also in that time, I mean, I could have uh, been angry such a long time, you know, about my stupid mistake in a, in a fun race, like race of champions, you know, risking my F1 season, uh, you know, by missing two races and especially the first few weeks, of course you have doubts because sometimes you wake up and you feel, oh, the pain is a bit better. And the next day you wake up and you have, again, a lot of pain. So, you know, you start to doubt and you start to think, oh, can I drive next week or can I drive in four weeks? I don't know because, uh, yeah, you never know about your body or 
about what's what's going to happen so um and did you get support in that time from the team from you know obviously the people around you yes but but from the people that you needed to go back to in formula one did you get the support of we'll still be here for you the seat will still be here you don't have to worry or was there the pressure of you need to get yourself back in the seat son or you're going to lose it no everyone at mercedes and sauber they were supporting me but obviously there's always some pressure from the media so yeah. <laughs> you should never listen to us ever it's always a mistake <laughs> um so that's why also in the end uh, you know Toto released uh, that I had a you know uh, a injury because in the beginning yeah we said oh, it's, it's not so bad but uh, you know I just have to rest rest a bit but uh, you know then in the end he released that my injury was uh, a lot worse than mm. everyone knew and then it kind of calmed down and uh, you know everyone saw it from a from a different point of view but uh, up to that point, uh, the media was writing uh, quite funny stories. Yeah, I mean, you say funny. It's 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 a nice kind of lost in translation thing. I think in in Europe, you guys say funny, meaning kind of like funny as in strange, well, not funny, haha. Yeah. <laughs> German Swiss expression. Funny. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I could find some other words as well, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. They, they probably beep them out. Yeah, beep, yeah, beep them and there are kids listening. Exactly. You yeah. said to me a couple of times, "You're a funny guy, Jerome." I don't know if you take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you guys find yourselves in Formula E now, which is a, an incredibly high pressure scenario situation you know from your whole careers being used to weekends working out over two three days you've now got this focus of intensity in in just that one day how important is it within that sphere to have had the experiences you've had the the lows that you've gone through to build a strength of mind that and character that you can just get straight on it you know to get to get straight in the in the place that you need to be it's really different um so if you compare it a bit with f1 you know where you have fridays with practice um saturday practice qualifying and then sundays to race you know it feels like you have time forever until the race starts to get everything in the in the best window in formula e is a bit more difficult because you have two practice sessions which are 30 minutes and 45 minutes so it's it's less time on a track than in F1 in one practice session. Mm. So you have to get everything right. You need to learn the track. You need to set up the car. You need to do the strategy for the race, you know, with the energy management. So it's very complex. You, you cannot spend too much time to get everything perfect. You need to get everything 95% and then in qualifying, nail that one lap. Yeah. So we only have one lap in qualifying and... Um, that's a big challenge. If things start to unravel, how do you keep your head straight? Yeah, like Pascal said, you know, it's quite intense. Uh, and I kind of really, I've been doing this now, it's my fifth year, but I kind of realized that again when uh, we, that the Berlin race where actually was over two days and I realized mm -hmm. how chilled it was. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have time to go in details, to look through things. When you get a wrong start in Formula E, it's really, really difficult to turn it around. Mm. Very difficult. Because of the format of the race and everything, there's of course you have to work on that qualifying, but then 
there's also the race pace which you need to to get right which often is as important uh, informally it's not the guy that starts on pole that will win the race if you're not fast you're not fast you know and uh, you're gonna get overtaken so um unlike a traditional motorsport series where your qualifying is is you know let's say uh 80 of your race informally is 50 of your race and and why i'm mentioning that is because intensity there's really no point where you can a little bit relax even if you're in super pole or you're in pole uh, at midday the intensity of the race the amount of preparation you need to do to get that right is huge because if you get a slight thing wrong you're a little bit off the rhythm or something of course there's track where it's more difficult to overtake like we've seen in burn but on other tracks you will be overtaken and you won't finish where you started so it's really the, t the intensity of, of of work and things that needs to get right for you to perform and be on the podium in the end it's uh it's very high and i think it's emotionally the also to drive the car it's emotionally the most challenging car to drive just because you feel like you're going to hit the wall at every every two corners and uh, and there's no i mean we laugh about it because if you look at the ultimate speeds people say yeah, it's not you know it's not um, not that impressive but i was speaking with stoffel uh he did le mans with uh smp i yeah. think yeah. yeah and uh, he says you know he had the high, highest end of straight speed And he says, I come back to Bern and I feel it's faster in Formula E because it's just everything's it's bumpy, so everything, the brakes, you know, you can, you, you don't jump on the brakes and, and, and no, you have to be very delicate somehow with the brakes. It's very difficult. It's very easy to lock a wheel and just end up in the wall. So emotionally there's during the day, from the time you get to the track, you start free practice at seven something, which is ridiculously early <laughs> <laughs> to the race end, you're on it all the time. And it's very difficult to find space for yourself. If you have 15, 20 minutes for yourself, that's good uh, during the whole day. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, for that, you know, it takes experience, it takes energy, but in the end, uh, as the same thing, you, you deal with it in the same way that you've always dealt with uh, with your career. You just have to prepare probably much more than you ever did before. Does that leave much time for you as people outside of the of the racetrack? You said you, you, you need to find some time for yourself. And obviously you were talking about a little bit of time on the track for yourself mm -hmm. to learn the track. Do you guys have enough time? You're still young, obviously, but do you have Thank enough? You. I mean, we're all getting old, but do you have enough time outside of racing to find space for yourself to grow and to, to develop and, you know, keep a handle on who you are? Yeah, me For sure. I mean, I'm very busy this year with uh, Formula E and also simulator for Ferrari and F1. But for me, it's very important to have a private life as well and, uh, you know, to to do at home what I enjoy and also to... It's nearly like I'm two different persons, you know, I'm one mm. at the racetrack and one at home. He's really uh, friendly at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can also at the racetrack, but not on racetrack. <laughs> I can never. I can. I can. Un I can understand that. Do you have to close off a part of who the real Pascal is when you get to the to the to the track because you need to be a certain somebody in a in a race situation? I don't think so. I think uh, you know sometimes it from the outside it can look like that because you know on a race weekend we are focused. We are all the time in, in our thoughts, how can we improve? What can we do? And, you know, 
for sure we are not the same guys like uh, in a relaxed environment so he's closing the real pascal at in private life actually <laughs> way around. so he's much more friendly at the yeah. <laughs> is that uh, just because he doesn't reply to your texts away from, away no, from no, the no, we're joking we're joking we're joking how about how about you, do you have do, do, definitely i mean you have to you have to find a balance in life you know it's uh You have to go home and recharge your, your batteries with your family, with uh, your friends. Sometimes you have a passion, you do something else. Uh, I enjoy a lot traveling. I travel when I can and, and see places, which is something actually I didn't really do when I was in Formula One. I kind of, you know, Formula E is going to some pretty cool places around the world. And so sometimes I try to stay a couple of days or, or more. And no, you, you have to find a balance because that allows you as well to really push on track. I, I Obviously, I knew you both from before and the two of you now are, are far more relaxed and seemingly comfortable in your own skin than then those years do you think that being so focused on that dream that you had as kids to be formula one drivers that you got caught up into the bubble of that one primary focus that existed above everything else and that actually having to find a new path being forced down a, a new route has allowed you the space to to become the people that you are now yeah i mean for sure you know it's interesting because you know when you're in formula one you're groomed to you know to to just think about racing to drive and to uh and you know 24 h7 and then you um you get into formula one and it's quite funny you really a lot of people, at least I feel, uh, I feel it for, for a lot of people, it's like that. You really feel like Formula One's the world and the whole world care about Formula One. The whole world loves Formula One. The whole, it's all about, you know, racing Formula One, Formula One. And then when I forced to step out, I was for, I mean, in the end, I too, you know, we moved, moved away from Formula One. You realize that there's a lot going on elsewhere, that there are things, there's a, there are bigger pictures that uh, Formula One and racing is, it's a sport. It's a sport. It doesn't make the world go round. Um, there are things that are more important uh, in life, but that we love it. I mean, it's also entertainment. It's entertainment and entertainment is also important. But you really kind of realize that there's a lot of things out there. I mean, for me, it was like that. I was really focused 110%. It was really the only thing that existed. And then, you know, with, and, and with Formula E, a different perspective, learning about different subject topics. And yeah, you kind of... Uh, you, kind of probably had a little bit more space for myself also, mm -hmm. as you say, to, to, uh, to kind of look at other things, but definitely, I think, you know, when you're in that machine of, of when I was in that, in that machine, it was, uh, it was quite something, uh, was that and nothing else in the world. Um, it doesn't hurt to take a step back and, and look at things with a different, uh, different perspective. Yeah. In the, in the writing of the book and, and in sort of the lessons that, that a lot of the, 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 the great races, I think, kind of show. And I think the overriding lesson that I think I've, I've learned from it is that when we look at things as they're happening, it can look like a, first of all, it's like a wall. You come to it and it's this massive great wall and you think, you know, God, what, I can't, I can't get past this. It's, it's too big. And then the longer time goes on, the wall gets a bit smaller until it's a, it's a hurdle. And then it's no longer a hurdle. It's actually a step that you can use to, to step on, to move to the next thing. And, and suddenly this thing that appeared to be a wall stopping you from getting where you were going is a step onto something better. And that that's life. We don't realize it at the time. And it's only when we look back on it that we know that this thing that looked 
terrifying and that it was going to stop us from doing what we should be doing with our life was actually the route to where we where we should be going. Nicely said. Getting too long for Pascal. No, but yeah, it's like it's like that. When I was in F1, I was really young, and you know, I only had the target to be one day in a better team and mm. win races. And there's a lot of pressure. You only think about that, and you forget a bit to that you also have a life beside racing. And uh, you know, you wake up, you think about racing. You go to bed, you think about racing. Especially when you have a bad weekend or something like that, you. You forget to enjoy life as well at home. So I think now when, or it's at least in my case, you know, when you get a bit older and you see it a bit different, then everything gets easier. Hmm. Agreed. It's, it's, it's one of these environments also where it kind of like you, it's really difficult to, to take a stand, you know, like Pascal said, you're, you know, told about focus on the next race, focus on racing. It's only racing. You have to be, it's difficult to be yourself also because in many cases would rather, instead of you expressing your own opinions, just, you know, at one point you get scared to, to express your own opinions and you'd rather just say nothing than saying something wrong. And, um, you know, a lot of, of briefings on, on, on the, you know, in term, terms of the PR briefings, what can be said, what cannot be not said, the positioning of this, the positioning of that. And of course, it's like I said, big machineries. And, and, and with this, with formerly, I must say, it was quite refreshing yeah. to be able to um, to really be, you know, whoever in Formula E. Because in the end, it's, of course, if you're a five times world champion in Formula One, you have the ability to just say it because you are who you are and you're in that position. But for anybody across the across the board, I think in Formula E, it's much easier to just be who they want to be themselves, different characters and so on. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's also something that's uh, quite important quite rounded you know more uh, as you say a, a freedom and a, a more rounded approach of of, of life having come through mm. you know everybody's got to to familiarity through very different complex yeah. paths and and that's what makes us who we are you know is, is is what we go through in our in our lives for good and for and for bad i know that you've got to go to the simulator uh, in a minute Soon. Jerome. so we uh, we need to to wrap this one up it's been lovely talking to you Uh, it's been really great catching up and seeing you. I've seen you both so happy and kind of, yeah, rejuvenated and 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 fresh. It's uh, even for this early, very, very early morning. It's been really lovely, guys. Thank you so much. Do you have any lessons that you've learned from your career um, or your, your lives to this point about sort of overcoming the hard times that you think would help? people, uh, listeners, if they're going through, because for all of us in our lives, whether we're racing drivers, whether we're, you know, whatever we do in our lives, we all come across hard times. We all come across difficult moments where we don't know what to do. But is there something that you could take from your racing experience that you think would, whether it's being in a car and having to overcome a bad start and pull it back or something in your career that you thought, you know, had to buckle down and really get through it that, uh, that acts as as a lesson for people? I think what we already discussed. Um, so I think we are all able to overcome difficult situations, even if they look really difficult in that moment. Uh, you know, we will overcome them in uh, due time. Also, like like Jerome said, you have to look a bit at the wider picture as well. Sometimes there are situations where you think, okay, that's it, that's It's only that situation, but, you know, you have to look a bit wider and for sure then in one or two years time, you would look different at that situation. 
So, yeah, I mean, like Pascal said, I think uh, the, 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 there's always, you know, keep fighting and blah, 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 you know, follow your dreams. And, and of course, that's been said and reset. But I think what, you know, what, what Pascal just said, I think looking, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. It's not, a, it's not a bad idea. And I would, I would add to that. I think it's, um, of course, you, you look at, at, at the bigger picture of what you're trying to do, but also stay in the present. You can't worry too much. And especially when you're a young driver, you know, you, you worry about what's going to happen. What's going to happen next year? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get the drive? And in the end, all these things are outcomes. You can't focus on the outcomes. You can only focus on the, on, you know, on the path and on what you're doing at the moment. So I think that, yeah, that's definitely, you know, rather than stressing about, you know, who's going to say what and, and what's going to happen and the ifs or whatever has happened, just learn from whatever you did, move on and, and, you know, just wake up and focus on what you have to do and just do it. And at one point, if you try hard enough, you, you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror saying, I've tried hard enough. It didn't happen, but just, then maybe it wasn't meant to happen. Something else is meant to happen. That's going to be just as good. Lovely. Thanks, yeah. boys been really really good to talk um <laughs> that's it but for push like hell that's that's for yeah. sure I was push, push like hell push like, push like hell, hell. <laughs> break late break late <laughs> break late early in power <laughs> close the door <laughs> that's it for another episode of straight talk i know you're used to listening to nikki shields but hopefully you found this episode somewhat insightful now it's time to plug the podcast if you like what you heard don't forget to subscribe and to comment uh, remember the team is also on social media if you want to send in your questions and suggestions for future episodes from jerome from pascal and from myself thanks very much for listening thank you